Hi everyone, my name is Kate. And I'm Nick. And you're listening to Artwise. This whole the music is so good every time. Yeah. I the only the only one complaint I have about the music is I have like an old speaker and like the bass just like trips it and it just like dies immediately like when you're when that song comes on it's just like boom, and i'm just like, Mother. <laughs> like oh my gosh yeah. yeah i'm here today with nick if do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everyone what what you're here to talk about on artwise i'm nick i am an oil painter in durham north carolina uh i'm here to talk about i, I feel like like we have a, such a wide gamut of things i sent you because yeah, so like anything from just kind of like the fine arts to painting to running a business to like, I like to talk about like what art is. And that's definitely like something I've been connecting with with your podcast is just like the cool ins and outs and how like perceptions of art are like completely different with who you talk to and things like that. So I think that's kind of neat. Yeah, it is. That is interesting. I would definitely recommend starting your own podcast because um, to everyone in the world, yeah. everyone should just have a podcast where they just talk. I know that's not realistic because most people don't even want to be a guest on this podcast. I've been struggling really hard to find guests for the first time ever in three years. Usually I say I'm looking for guests. And I get 30 applicants immediately. And that didn't happen this time. I only had like maybe six people. And out of those six people, only three responded. <laughs> You're one of them. So I don't really no i think the algorithm is just kind of spicy right now like Mm -hmm. my my stuff's not getting as much views as it usually does but it's really interesting like i would recommend for anyone who likes to meet new people and talk to people to uh start a podcast first of all because you will get a lot of different perspectives on what art is to a lot of other people and I don't know what I was expecting. Actually, when I started ArtWise, it wasn't even supposed to be like, I'm going to have a bunch of guests. It was just like, I think the whole first season was mostly art history. But um, you'll get a lot of different perspectives on that if you put yourself in a environment or create an environment. Like I kind of created this environment where I have like just random people <laughs> coming to me to talk about art. And I love that. But y- you'll get a lot of and if you listen to this podcast like if you're new and you haven't listened to every single episode you'll you'll hear a lot of different perspectives on what art is to them the episode that came out today uh we had a writer evelyn barry and she's amazing i i we're tiktok we've been tiktok mutuals for a while i was so surprised when i don't know i i like sometimes when people apply to be on Artwise and i know them because like we're mutuals i was I, i'm always like Oh, like I because I recognize people and then we get on a call and they're like, oh, you remember me from that one time I commented on like one of your TikToks and then you followed me and then we never spoke again. And I'm like, yeah, I do. I watch all your stuff. And they're like, oh, you're creepy. <laughs> TikTok, really. uh, I have such a love hate relationship. Like, I think I have so many good ideas for like TikToks, especially about, like talking about art because I'm like, oh, like. I kind of want to make art more approachable to people because I think, you know, you go to a museum, you just kind of walk around and I just like watch people and they're just like, oh, yes, the art. But like, you know, really experiencing kind of like bringing it down to earth and like how it's a very experimental thing. They're just kind of like a lot of people are just like messing around with stuff. 
and just like seeing what can happen. And we, for whatever reason, put that on a pedestal and like think it's like, oh, like I don't understand it because like you need to be educated and blah, blah, blah. Like I want to like make art more approachable and kind of make TikToks about that. But it's so it's so effing hard, man. Like you were talking about like the audio thing and like that is like the one thing that's like holding me back from posting so many TikToks is like I like posted and like listen to it. I'm like, the audio quality is such crap. And I'm like, how do people do that, man? Like, oh, I have a I think I have it right here at my desk. Yeah, I do. I so I have a microphone and I have the dongle like converter to like plug into my phone because I have a stupid iPhone. They don't have headphone jacks anymore. But yeah, these are really cheap on Amazon. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have this one. And then I've also noticed. So I don't know if you have AirPods or are you an Apple person? Or? Uh, I, I recently got a Mac, um, but I do have a Google phone because like Google phone. Gotcha. Yeah. Google phone. I had an iPhone for a, like a while, but I was like whenever they started like ramping down their battery, that was kind of annoying. I was just like screw you apple i'm i'm switching teams so yeah that's understandable i get really frustrated with my iphone but i can't bear to switch everything over i feel like i'm locked in because i have like my little apple subscription with all my space i'm actually on a pc right now because i do have a pc but i've been thinking for years about selling it and just buying um like a desktop mac and then having that in addition to my laptop which is like a MacBook Pro. But yeah, so they make these. They're super cheap, but they do have nicer ones. And this one is corded. I had one that was wireless, um, but you literally just like plug it into your phone. If you're doing voiceovers, these are pretty good. Honestly, this one, I've noticed it's not much better than like my actual phone microphone. But if you have a Google phone, I don't know like I feel like all of the different brands of phones like put their priorities into like different things. So I know Apple has like a pretty decent microphone. So I don't notice a huge quality difference with this, depending on where I'm recording. Uh, I use CapCut for the most part to edit all of my Instagram Reels, TikTok videos. But yeah, these are really good. And then I, if you have Air or AirPods, I've noticed people who come on this podcast and they're like, because I don't expect anyone to have like a professional microphone or professional headphones or anything like that. Like I don't expect anyone to have any of that yeah. when they come on because it's like you're you're a guest on one podcast episode. Like, no, you know, and I just hope that my my listeners understand that because I, you know, I have like a pretty nice microphone myself and it's it's fine when I do solo episodes, but I don't expect guests to have like fancy equipment because like why would you if you're just going to be on like one podcast episode that's silly but some people are like oh i i have airpods like is that okay for headphones because i always say like bring headphones if you can uh and i'm always like yeah and i've noticed the people that have airpods like their sound quality is like almost better than mine <laughs> like damn i've wasted money on a microphone when i could have just gotten airpods but i don't know it's it's like definitely something I feel like with the so the whole social media thing, I feel like even though like, how do I word this? Like, it's like I'm very big on 
it, I don't care if it's perfect. Like I'm going to post it anyway, because I feel like so much, like so many creators and so many people in my niche, I'm in like a, a couple different networking groups specifically for designers. Cause I'm a designer and I've noticed people will constantly like they'll send videos to the group of real, like, should I post this? And I'm like, just post it like why are you so worried about like it's like it doesn't have to be, like we're human it doesn't have to be perfect like i'd rather my voice be heard and have it like not be the best quality ever than agonize over it for a week and then not post anything for a week because i post every single day which it's yeah that, uh, that's i have a really hard time with that mostly i mean so i have a day job as well so like mm -hmm. art is like when i can fit it in and like you know making art and then selling art is like two full-time jobs like honestly and that is that's the hard part and like social media like it's such a song and dance but it's such a necessary song and dance because like how else are you gonna like tell the story and connect people with your art and like get it out there if like you know i think it's great like instagram has obviously like brought me so many different more followers than like you know not instagram would but at the same time, like it is it is like a little song and dance. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I'm stuck in like Bo Burnham world where like life sucks. But then I'm like, oh, like it, you know, I do try to separate. Like I don't have a personal account because I don't want my personal life to be like on display. I do think social media is a good tool. And as long as you kind of separate that and like leave it as a tool, mental yeah. health is a lot higher. Yeah, I I feel like the moment of time that we're living in with how normalized social media is because i completely agree i do have a personal account but i actually just went through it's it's private i just went through and i removed like i'm still in the process of removing followers from it not that i had a lie i think i had like 500 followers but i was realizing like i don't freaking know any of these people and so i went and i'm like i'm gonna remove everyone that i don't like I don't know. And also I haven't posted on it in like a year, but I also kind of feel like the reason I haven't posted on my personal account is because like I share so much for my business because my business is my life. If I still, because I quit, when did I quit my nine to five? I quit my nine to five in May of last year. So May of 2022. So it's been a little over a year. Nice. Congrats. Thanks. Doesn't feel like a congrats thing, but yeah, it was about a year ago that I left my corporate design job to do this full time. And if I was trying to, I think I did post a lot before I quit my job. I don't know how I did that because I feel like now I've grown so much and my quality has really, like, I really stepped up my game in terms of like quality because all of like, Probably, I would say, actually, I can tell you right now, about half of all the clients I have are from social media and the other half are from people who I used to work with or like a friend of a friend of a friend or like things, things like that. Mostly like from people who I used to work with who are like, oh, my friend owns an agency. Do you, do you need work? Like she can send you work. And I'm like, sick, I will be able to eat this month. But it's definitely, it's it's been like such a, I feel like I'm really grateful that I'm so young doing this because I can't even imagine like if I if I had been at my my nine to five, like I uh, I had been at it for three years. If I had been at that job longer, it would have been so hard for me to leave. But 
I was kind of like, I want to put a stop to this before it gets too serious. Because even like my last review that I had with my manager, she was like, we want to make you a senior artist here. And I was like, I need to yeah. leave as soon as possible. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it's a, it's a weird safety net because like, you know, I, I guess like I know if I quit tomorrow, like I wouldn't make ends meet because I sell like, you know, two or three paintings a year. And even though like I've recently like up to my prices, it's still like, you know, if I sell a painting for like a thousand bucks, that's, you know, not even a month's worth of, you know, rent, food, all that and stuff like, you know, it's, it's, it's effing hard out here. It but, is. I, yeah. yeah, when I, cause I, I feel like I've, how do I word this? I've, I've like, I've been there and truthfully, <clears throat> I, I did what I could to prepare myself for, for leaving my corporate like day job. Yeah. But I also, I was still at that. This is so, this is such a dumb story. I probably, I don't know if I've told this on my, on this podcast before, but before I quit, I, as like a joke in 2019, I bought like a bunch of Dogecoin so I could say that I was yeah. holding it. And I just made like, I, I'm not going to disclose like how much I made off of crypto, but while that was popping, I was really into it. And so mm -hmm. I had built up a pretty substantial savings to like sustain my living for two years. And I don't have enough energy to put a hundred percent into both my day job and my business at the same time. And so I was like, I have enough money to be fine for two years. Let's just quit and like, see how it does. Mm -hmm. And I am like in the middle of that right now. And thankfully it's starting to pick up my first mm -hmm. year, I think. And I didn't make hardly anything. My, my first year in business, not like my first year from May, my first year from, like I, I counted like the whole year last year and then like reset in January. I, I don't know what happened, but when 2023 hit, I started immediately making like, uh, I wouldn't say that I'm making like enough to live comfortably, but I am at a point where I have a consistent income and I can give you a rough estimate of like what I'm going to make every month. Yeah. Like, which that's, I mean, that's a, that's a good feeling. Even if it's not like the highest number, it's still a great feeling. Like, and that's where I know, like you just, there's a, that first year or two where you're just laying seeds and like roots and you're not going to be able to like sow any of it. But then all of a sudden, like something kind of pops up here, something pops up here. One thing that I'm actually looking to apply for is like a residency at Penland. Have you heard of them by chance? I have not. No. It's like it's mostly a craft place. So like I don't know if I necessarily fit the like the crowd, but. They have like a one year and three year one. And that just seems so perfect because it would like super limit my expenses. I am one of the fortunate like millennials that actually like owns their home. So I could like move away, like rent my home out for a while and like kind of make a little passive income to just literally just get by. But, you know, like I said, it's a full time job to like paint and to like lay those seeds where you're like applying to galleries and make connections like. I mean, I'm sure you know this. It's it's literally about the connections you make. It's not like how great your art is and stuff. I mean, you can look at all the famous historical art. There's a bunch of crappy painters out there that made millions because 
they just knew the right people or they were born rich. Like, I know you have a thing against Picasso and like one thing <laughs> to do is uh, he, he was born like in like an art family and just like, he had a lot of like good connections and like that, like spring loaded him to the top. Like regardless of your opinion of him, like he definitely had that springboard and a lot of famous artists do too. They just, they're born rich or they have like the right connections and like boom, boom, boom. Now we revere them and put them on this like high pedestal while there's like, you know, great artists that nobody's ever seen before. I think Van Gogh is like the one exception to that where yeah, didn't have any connections really. I feel like I recently posted something or I was planning. I don't know. I have this note section in my phone. That's like ideas for posts. And then some of them never see the light of day, but that kind of fits the vibe. I, I should probably talk about this since we're talking about this. I will have to make a note in my calendar to talk about this in exactly one month, right before the episode comes out to bring (laughs) (laughs) some energy to the episode. But I was just thinking about the fact that so many artists, like probably the best artists in the world are like just not well known because that's not, I hate to say it, but like being great at, at what you do it's just not good enough to make a lit like a living off of and i hate saying that because i feel like all artists should be supported and should be able to live comfortably doing what they love but at the same time uh as somebody who left kind of the standard of how you survive in this world to take this entrepreneurial path i have learned that i'm like I wouldn't even consider myself to be like a great artist. I I think I'm good. I've spent my whole life like working on my craft. I don't think I'm great, but I have strengths in other areas. Like I am just really, and this is, I find it like very rare for artists, but I'm just really extroverted. I have no problem talking to strangers, talking to people, networking with people. In fact, I really enjoy it. That's part of why I started this podcast, but it's like a, like there are things, other things that I've kind of like tools that I've added to my tool belt that I think make me think, okay, it is possible for me to like have the kind of lifestyle that I dreamed about because I always try to remind people too, if there's like a dream that you have, it's not for no reason. Like you wouldn't just have these urges to do things and to live a certain type of career and to freelance and to sell your art and to sell paintings and to do all this stuff. Like you don't have that for no reason. The reason that you have those dreams is because like you're meant to accomplish those things. But a lot of people forget sometimes, especially artists, I feel like the, the lot of us, I mean, I wish I could just sit around creating all day. That's just not my reality. I feel like 75% of my job is marketing now <laughs> and it has nothing to do with actual art creation because I'm constantly trying to get people to know who I am. And then when I'm at a point where a lot of people know who I am and I'm getting consistent clients, that marketing can be on the back burner and I can focus on content creation or not content creation. I cannot focus on content creation and more (laughs) focus on like actual art creation, (laughs) (laughs) the type of type of creation I want to do. But it's, it's like, I know a lot of artists who I've talked to on here and people who are just they don't want to learn the business skills the marketing skills the all of these things that I've kind of immersed myself in for the last year when I was trying to get my business up off the ground I realized wow like like 15% of this is actually making stuff and the rest is like figuring out actually how to run a business 
Uh, and I feel there's always more to learn, obviously. And especially with like technology, it's like there's new ways every single day of making running a business easier. But it's it's just like there's so much to learn outside of art. And I feel like the people who are really struggling to get to a point where they're able to quit their job, I feel like that's something to remind yourself of like, okay, maybe instead of focusing on selling paintings or selling prints or whatever, like I need to figure out additional streams of income so that I'm able to sustain myself just enough to like make this happen yeah. to myself. And it's just like, it's a tough reality because oh, not all of this stuff is fun, <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's, it's so, it's just a big part of being able to do what you love like you have to sometimes learn stuff that like just you don't really want to have to learn yeah for sure i uh i've been doing trying to get into a kind of i've it's such a weird it's such a weird line i have to thread um because i found that like my art doesn't really fit in with like most like craft markets but i'm fortunate enough to live in an area where there's like some really really big markets around here too that I'm still like, oh, like I can try that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do prints of my stuff. And I got these like kind of really nice prints. I was going to do like the print on demand thing. Um, but I ordered some and like I sell some of them through there. But the prints don't really sell. People kind of go to these markets because they still want like handcrafted stuff. And I'm like, man, I like can't bring my paintings out here. Like A, they're kind of big because and my car is like, you know, not big enough to bring it out. But I was like, I spent like, you know, 60 80 hours on this painting and it's in it's like outside in the wind and like i've like lost a painting or two to that it just like falls over and like a gash goes through it i'm just like <gasps> all right that's cool but i have like fortunately i found this like fun workaround where i've been doing these like kind of smaller like very quick loose paintings that really have been helping my process because I've been, i've been in this like transitory period and like i just i don't know what i'm doing with it i just know i kind of needed a change and like have a vague direction but like other than like a direction i don't really have like a destination mm -hmm. and these paintings have been helpful because like i don't care about messing them up they're tiny they're small like you know and i think that's what you what like many artists need is just that like project that they don't care about messing up that they're not like oh like i gotta let i gotta let go i gotta like back up like you just like oh like whatever like it's experimental like let's see if this works if it doesn't like you know i only wasted like an hour or two or blah 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 it's not like you know hour 80 and you're just like oh man that line sucks yeah that's that's definitely something i struggle with is i i will avoid doing things because they're too i think it's a, especially lately and i i love to draw i never learned to paint i'm not a painter but I, I'm, I'm more of like an, like a, like an illustrative person. I really like drawing. I like digital art. I like dry, dry media, like the most. I just, I don't know why I can never, I can paint. Okay. Like, you know, like, obviously if you can draw, like you, it's like easier to learn other types of. My, my drawings are so different than my paintings. Like I will say I, I draw from life. Like I host a weekly figure drawing thing and, um, Kind of going back to community that like that was definitely a community building exercise like just to get people together and socialize but half of it was like oh like 
I miss figure drawing from college. So I want to do that. And the other half was like, I want to bring like make a space and bring people together. But dang, like my drawings, like I'm definitely like full on like, oh, this is just paper and like graphite. Like, I don't care. Like, and I so experimental with that. And then my paintings are like, all right, got to be tight. Like, and so, and I think that's the direction my paintings are going. I'm like, where I'm just like, I got to like loosen up and not be, not be so tight and like kind of actually make them paintings and not just, not just being a copy machine. I think I work. So I don't think I ever like talked about my process yet. I think we've been on a oh. bunch of side tangents. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no worries. So I work from photographs because I got my, I like started painting like meat and like other things and kind of some cool abstract stuff. But, you know, meat doesn't stay very good for, you know, 60, 80 hours plus. So I had to like, I was like, oh, I have to take photographs. So I take these photographs and, but I want to make them like abstract and like, like an ode to like, I am talking about the photograph and everything. And so that's what I paint. And they're just like these, they've become like tight. Like I'm just kind of copying the photo and this transition period that I'm in, I'm like, man, like I need these to like actually be a painting and not just like a copy machine. And that's kind of where I'm at now too. It's just like, how do I do that? How do I like take liberties with things? And that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. And these small guys have been helping me with that because uh, like, like I said, I don't care about messing them up too much so I can kind of have fun with the colors and like change colors and this, that, and the other. So, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of like the, I, I follow a lot of artists or I have followed a lot of artists um, and just like looked at what they're doing. And when I was, when I was younger, like when I was first trying to learn, it was like hyper realism and like making sure everything was super clean and like perfect and looked exactly like the photo that used to be like my goal. And that is not, I, I can do it, but that's not really where my strengths lie. And it's also like, I do, I enjoy like realism for like meditative reasons, because I feel like you don't, if if you're making something and you're just kind of trying to copy like a photo you took or like whatever whatever the case like i feel like there's you don't really have to put as much thought into it because it's like you're just looking and like you're making what you're seeing and i really do enjoy doing that from like a perspective of like it really gets me into like meditation, which I can't meditate like a normal person, but like art creation and like little like tedious me, what's the word? Just like the like little repetitive tasks. Those get me into like a meditative state more than like actually just trying to lay down and like not think, (laughs) like slow down. It's like the only way that I can do that. But I also, I feel like, it's so this is so hard to describe I sometimes I hate having a podcast that's about art because it's almost like I wish I could just show you what I mean like what I'm seeing in my head Mm -hmm. but I like my natural innate like style because I kind of feel like art style like I kind of relate people's art style to like their handwriting because I feel like it's very similar but like the, (laughs) (laughs) the way the way I do things like kind of lends itself to be like more like I don't want to say cartoony but like that's really like the only word I can think of 
I learned how to draw from comic books. And I feel like a, like a lot of it stems from that because I used to, like when I was a kid, I was just like, I had this tote. I, I don't know. I, I think I still have some of them, but I definitely got rid of a lot of them. But I had this whole like big tote full of like my comic book collection and I would just pull a random one, take it to school. And then during class, I would just choose a page and I would just copy it. And that's how I like learned how to draw. And I feel like a lot of people kind of learn to draw in a similar way. But I feel like because I have that root of like comic book, I feel like I don't know what happened. But now like that's what like all my art kind of defaults back to like that really comic booky style. And it's funny because that's not really like my goal. Although I would love to I, I would love to create like a graphic novel or something like that. But it's just so it's so hard to navigate like switching from like what you're kind of used to doing because once I started with like comic books and then I was like, okay, I need to learn how to do realism because that's something, did you go, did you go to art school? I don't know if I, I went to like a liberal arts school and I have an art degree. Um, okay. But it wasn't like an art school. Like I was in a, like my art department had like six kids in my graduating class. So like, you know, the art department was not that big, but it was, oh, it was okay. a really good experience. Like the, the department itself had a lot of resources. Like it was like its own building and things like that. But like, you know, like every class had about like five to 10 kids out of, you know, like three or 2000. It was still a small liberal arts school. So I wouldn't say like, you know, I didn't go to like Micah or anything like that. But um, yes. Okay. Yeah. The reason I ask is because in high school, for God, things happened so long ago, it's hard to remember. But I, I'm pretty sure a guy from Ringling College of Art and Design came and talked to us. And of course, like, I think I was the only like art kid in this class that actually was like, no, I want to pursue this as a career. Because like, you take a class in high school, it's not like the end all be all. But like, for me, I kind of knew, like, my my sophomore year of high school I was kind of like at a point where I was like okay actually this is I think this feels right this is what I want to do and I remember him coming in and saying like oh well we do a lot of you know like figure drawing classes and like things where like you are like directly copying what you see because that is like what makes a great artist is somebody who knows like how everything is supposed to be and knows all of yeah. those rules and can and can make something look exactly how it looks. And then once you've reached that point where you've mastered that, you can backtrack and you can create your own style and you can start to do things differently. But I've noticed that like once I because after I, I heard him say that, I was like, oh, my God, I need to learn this. And I did. But I wouldn't say that I ever like completely mastered it. And I never really backtracked either because I switched to graphic design because uh, it just kind of fell into my lap. And I was like, this is fine. Not that I don't love design. Like I actually, I really like design. So it's not, I'm not saying that as a bad thing, but it's just something that I did. And it's like people, I feel like don't talk about enough how difficult it is to, when you've been doing something or you've been like studying and like learning and like growing in a certain style and doing something the same way for so long, having to then backtrack and say, okay, I have mastered this. Let's try something else so that it's not boring and it's not the same thing that I've been doing all this time. And it can be like different and it can like define me. Oh my gosh, it's so difficult. I, I wouldn't even know how to approach that. I just kind of do whatever I want at this point in my art journey, yeah. but it's hard. I know. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's it is int- I mean like I mean I I like what Chuck Close kind of did. He was like the, the you know the hyper realist of the hyper realist, but like I didn't realize until like a while that like I started painting like him because I'm a very slow painter, which is like why I love oils because it 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 dries with me. Um, but I like do a color and it dries, and I do like another color and it dries, and it becomes like this kind of printed effect. And I didn't realize like Chuck Close did that too. And I was like, oh man, it kind of makes sense because like oil's fun because you can like layer and like it actually like doesn't look like crap when it's layered correctly. Um, so I was like, oh, cool. But like at the opposite end of the spectrum, it's like I love Francis Bacon, who's like this guy who like uh, like he also worked from photographs, too. But like he like brought some like life to it. What do they call it? Like his like portraits are called like biomorphs. Like it's like his the faces. I don't know if you've seen his stuff, but like the faces are like so. super twisted and it's. If you see him in, in person, you're like, oh, man, like he's talking about paint because you can like see the texture of the paint and the brush strokes and he kind of revels in that. And like, that's the energy there. And I think that's just kind of where I'm going, where I'm like, I think before it's like, oh, you try to hide your brush strokes so it looks like the photo. And now I'm like, all right, how do I like make the brush strokes actually like kind of reveal something about my subject, like kind of more about the essence than like just aesthetically what it looks like. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do you do that? I don't know. I guess you just paint through it and you just kind of keep going and have to create through it because there's no like, oh, just do this. There's no like formula for that, which that's what yeah. makes art fun kind of. Yeah. People, I feel like, and I'm so like, I'm glad that I didn't, I never, I never finished college and I'm kind of glad that I didn't because a lot of my friends who went to art school, they're like, they were like, we were like very heavily told like that there's a specific way to do a certain thing and like told, you know, this, this is how this is done. Like, this is what you have to learn first in this order in order to become like a great artist. And then I feel like a lot of people that I know who went to like either college for art or like an art school, a lot of them come out of it and they're telling me like, Kate, I uh, don't know how to make stuff that I like anymore (laughs) and it's like so it's crazy because I feel like as an artist myself I feel like there should be no rules like I and I try really hard I have a artwise podcast discourse server community of artists and oh my gosh I'm I'm thinking at the time that I'm posting this, it might not exist anymore because I've been really considering like just getting rid of it because it's kind of become something that's like a bit of a chore. And I am in my era of just not doing things that I don't like anymore. And at one point it was really nice because it was like more tight knit and there weren't as many people. But as time went on and people continue to join it, it's just like the only time I see it getting used is when I have to go on there and like be a moderator and kick people out. And that's just not fun for me. Yeah. It's, it's like become something that's like not what I intended, but there are so many people. And this is the reason why I have to be so strict with like the moderation. There's so many people on that server that are so young. Like I think as, as young as like 12, 13, it's not like a rule. Like you don't have to be a certain age to join a discord server. And I had rules set up for the type of people that I wanted to join the discord server, not knowing that the people who listen to this podcast, a majority of them, well, actually a lot of them are older than me, but um, 
about half are really young and the other half are older. Like there's not really like a middle, a middle ground for this podcast. Yeah. So, but a lot of people who listen, they listen because they want to learn. And I think that's great, but it's, it's like, I, I see how they do things and it's like, sorry, that came out weird. I'm like picturing something in my head. I'm forgetting. You can't see what's inside my brain, but like, so like they'll, I have like a lot of different channels in the discord server where just people can share their art and ask for critique and stuff. And like a lot of newer artists, they'll, you know, they'll ask for critique. And obviously I think like being able to ask for and receive critique gracefully is like the mark of like a really great artist. Um, mm -hmm. And I think it's really important to do stuff like that. But I see like the way that artists are, are like newer artists are doing things. And some of them are just so incredibly talented. And it's just like, dang, I would have never done it that way. And these are young people who've never been in an environment of school where they're being told, no, you can't do it this way anymore. You have to do it a certain way. And I just like, I just hope that whatever environment that they end up in, like their creativity is being fostered and not hindered because that's something that I've seen some of my friends go through and it's like, it's just my worst fear. And it's part of why I try to put myself and obviously I'm so new to the art space. Like even now, even it being like a few years, just because like, uh, I don't want to say I'm up and coming. Cause I don't really know what, like, what the hell does that mean? Right. But like, I'm, like I have this podcast and I'm also like I talk with a lot of art artists from a lot of different backgrounds every day and it's like even though I'm not like super well known I put myself in the space because like there are things like I'm just trying to help people find you know yeah. their whatever makes them want to yeah. do art I guess yeah and it's it's so interesting when people like I like see a bunch of people's art and it's some people are really like skilled painters and can kind of like, you know, replicate things well, but there's such like a difference between like, oh, cool, you're very good at like rendering this, but there's no kind of substance beyond that. And like, I think that's where a layman, like per people who aren't into art, they can very much appreciate that because they can, you know, like, oh, wow, like you worked hard at your craft and stuff. And then they go and they look at, you know, like Jackson Pollock and they're like, what the crap is this? Like I could do that, but there's like, there's that disconnect where, you know, I think we're kind of tying it back to art school and stuff like where people do build those core skills. And then you look at the great artists and I think they built those too. And then they broke those rules. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of what makes them so great is like, they're like, they took the time to learn the rules and then they took the time to like strategically break the rules, like, and make paintings about that. And I think, that's kind of the trap some people get in. They're like, man. And I think I was falling into that trap. And I realized that where I was just like, I'm just copying. Like I got really good at it. Like I didn't have to think as much. And I was just like, okay, paint, 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 boom. Like, and they're getting better and better and better, like realistically. And then I was like, I need to break this. Like, I it just, I don't know. I, I was like, I'm not like challenging myself anymore. I don't, I'm not scared of my art anymore. And I think if you're not scared of your art, like it's, you know, you know, I, I guess you need to be scared of your art is what I'm saying. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never thought of it that way. I think that's something I struggle with too sometimes. Could you also, there has to be like a middle ground, I think too. Cause I, I, I a hundred percent agree. I feel like everybody who wants to get into art, if they really, if their goal is to get really good and 
be like, obviously, like there are so many people who do art just like because it's fun and it's good for their mental health. And it's like, I applaud you for that. But like, if, if you want to be a career artist and you want to become like a professional and you want to get really good, I wholeheartedly agree with the statement of you should learn the rules before you break them. And when you break them, you should be strategic about how you're doing it because I feel like that's what the best artists do. Um, but I also agree with what you said too about like the average person, they don't, it sucks. Like I hate saying this, but like the average person who's not really into art, like I feel like they just don't have an understanding of what good art is. And it's crazy because I have certain pieces that I did when I was like in high school that are like hyper realistic because that's when I was trying to teach myself those skills. And the types, the type of work that I do now is like so far away from the stuff that I was doing when I was trying to like learn. Like it was nothing other, like I wasn't trying to be creative. I wasn't trying to like, I didn't have any goals other than I just wanted to learn how to draw and to draw well. And I still like, I'll do studies from time to time, but like, I definitely like, I'm rusty on the drawing because like, I kind of have kind of fully immersed myself in the design space. But I have so many people, especially like adults, like people that I know, random people that I just meet, whatever. And they're like, oh, you're an artist. Let me see some of your work. And then they scroll back and they're like, why don't you make stuff like this anymore? This is so good. And it's like, because I made that when I was learning. And now I feel like I have kind of stepped away from from that. I put myself in the design space. And while I do still have and like retain those like drawing skills that I had, I feel like once you've realized I mean, you don't even really have to master learning all of the rules. I mean, I didn't. I don't feel like I became like a true master, but I feel like it's a good it's it's good to practice that before you really know where you want to go. And then once you know where you want to go, it's like, you know, you don't even really if like in the design community, which is it's completely different because design like art is subjective, design to a degree is subjective, but for the most part, it's subjective because there are goals behind design and that's why design exists. It's strategic, it's subjective. There are goals with design. And like, I feel like that's something like with design being uh, also an artist and a designer at the same time, I don't know like how familiar you are with like the design community like online, but. Yeah, I took a few a few like graphic design classes like i had to take a computer arts and then i didn't graduate from my school like i got like a fake diploma like i like walked across the stage they handed me an empty folder like i graduated because i was like i failed like a couple classes and i came here and i had to take like community college because like well i'm at least gonna like finish because like it's it's i think it's like i was so close to finishing i was like it'd be better to just like get that piece of paper Mm -hmm. um but i took like a couple community college classes and so i mostly took like graphic design classes because i was like oh like this will at least be like semi-enjoyable because i just needed the credit hours yeah and design it's it's so it's so different yeah and there's even like i have a friend over here they just opened up like a printmaking studio like a screen printing studio and i'm like oh i want to do that because like back in college i did like intaglio prints all the time like i miss printmaking so much and i'm just like what would I make? Like how, like, and it's like, it's such a, even like printmaking to painting is such a weird switch in my head that I'm like, uh, it excites me. Cause I'm like, Oh, like, I don't know what I'm doing. So I can kind of do a bunch of stuff, but it's also like, I don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah, I've, I've talked to a lot of 
artists on this podcast uh, in the past. And I've noticed there's a, definitely a common theme of like, there's always, and like, I feel like as like, if anyone listening to this is like a newer artist, or if you're still learning, I feel like you'll know when you've hit this point. And I feel like I'm starting to hit this point, And that's why I'm struggling so much because it's like, it's not easy. But I feel like there's a point for every artist where they have to change what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's, I hate to say, but like, if you continue to do the same thing the same way, like you're gonna get either bored or you're gonna get like burnt out on what you're doing. So there's always like you're gonna hit like a like a plateau where you kind of balance out and you're like, okay, I need to find a way to make this how it felt because I feel like like a big part of of being an artist is like learning and growing as an artist and evolving and if you stick to what you like, it might stay fun for a little bit, but like part of the fun is evolving your craft and like doing different things. And so I feel like hitting, hitting like those plateaus, like it's just, it just means like you're like, you're still going up, but like you have to continue, you know? Like, yeah. And I definitely felt that. Cause like, I, like I said, I was making these like pretty realistic paintings and I just became a copy machine. And I was just like, it, it, I did, I plateaued and I was like, I, you know, need, need that challenge again. And like, I want to be a painter, not just like a, a, a copy machine. And I want to like say something with my paintings and not just, okay, cool. Like I painted this. It like looks really neat. It's very provocative because it's, it's kind of abstracty, but people are like, everyone always be like, oh, what is it? Because I can tell it is something, but just like with the angle and the lighting, it's weird. And my answer always wants to be like, oh, it's a painting because I'm trying to like push it to painting and not just, you know, be a photographer that can copy. Yeah, I I feel like it's it's so difficult to navigate that, too, because when like when someone is like a skilled painter or a skilled artist to the point where like their work is so realistic and so good that it looks like a photograph, like there's no denying how much skill and like how much time went into learning that. Mm-hmm. But like, there's also, it's, it's also difficult because I know a lot of artists too. I know me and my dad are both kind of like, like, yeah, we can do this. Like the realism. My dad is an artist too. That's kind of how I got mm-hmm. into art and he's been on the podcast a couple of times. Um, but he does these really realistic pet, pet portraits, but he doesn't, he can paint but he does these like portraits in like colored pencil and they look so hyper realistic but i know for a fact that the both of us are kind of like we've both talked about this before where we've said okay like i could just take a picture though mm-hmm. you yeah. know <laughs> and that's that's People kind like of like their own stuff sorry no <laughs> worries. that's uh i know like one of the kind of questions ago talking about like the death of painting and like the camera is one of those things that kind of killed painting, like, you know, throughout the Renaissance up until like, you know, pretty much impressionism, everyone was just trying to like get good at painting and like making it more and more real and kind of like the golden age of the Renaissance was like, all right, we figured it out. We cracked the code. And then the impre- like, and then they kind of kept going for a while, like, I don't know, doing like the Baroque and the Rococo stuff. Um, but then the impressionists came and they're like, I think we've, I think we're good on the, like, just like 
kind of copying and like making things and like the cameras coming out. So like portraits don't really matter as much because you can just go and get your photo taken versus like sitting for a painting. And so they kind of started like, oh, like let's play with color and like let's have looser brush strokes and like let's kind of get weird with it and like have some fun. And now, you know, you go into a museum and there's like at least a modern museum, not like an old museum. And you see like it's like a tree, like there's so much, so much different kinds of art because like every artist now is like, oh, like, cool, I can kind of break this rule and break this rule and break this rule and they can go. I, I like the era that we're in because I think learning to paint realistically is a good tool, but that's really all it is. It's just a tool. Like, I don't think you have to be able to paint realistically to be a good artist. Like if you yeah. have a really good story, but like crappy painting skills, you can still make a really good painting because like the story behind it is like much more provocative than the actual like painting skills. So yeah, I think it does open the doors for like a lot more people to become artists and like tell their story because they don't need to have like, you know, the pedigree of the artist and the skills to like paint realistically back in, you know, the 16th, 17th century and stuff. They can you know, tell their story in a fun, unique way. And it doesn't have to like, look super pretty and like, be like, yeah, I have a question. So this era that we're currently in with art, like in the history books, what do you think they're going to call it? I mean, they're calling it now like what postmodernism, I think that's a placeholder. Really? I feel like it's going to be called like the COVID era because I feel like so many artists came out of COVID. I feel like before we went into COVID, like art, because I've, I don't know, I've been an artist my whole life uh, and there's a lot of us back then, but I feel like we've like multiplied because like when people were forced to uh, stay home and not do anything, everybody kind of, even my cousin, like I used to, uh, I, we lived together at the time that like in 2020 like i used to live with her and when we all kind of got sent home <laughs> from work and like uh i had to work from home because i was a graphic designer so it didn't even matter i was just working at a different desk but for her she was like oh like now that we're being um forced to stay home let's paint and we would go on like her tv and look up like painting tutorials on youtube like and just paint bob stuff and honestly we i don't think we followed a bob ross a tutorial i don't think i followed one with her because she wanted easy ones but she's i'm not even really a painter either but uh i guess i'm i i have painted before like i just don't consider myself to be a painter but i try <laughs> um but that was something like she did and now it's just like kind of like a little hobby that she does sometimes and it's like it's just made a lot of artists out of people who probably never would have even tried because there was nothing else to do other than like bake bread and yeah my wife got into stained glass like over over covid and she got like really into it and like um, like I built her this glass like holding shelf. So she she loves it. It is interesting how people have picked it up. It's interesting that you're like kind of marking it with COVID. I know that's like a huge, a huge thing that's happened. But I would say like a new era marker is more like AI coming out because, you know, kind of like the camera AI now, like you can just go on. And I mean, I know people people love and hate it because you can go like 
you know, make me this kind of picture in the style of like this person. And as long as there's like enough data out there, they can like make a picture that looks like, you know, like you painted it or somewhat like, and it's crazy. So I think that's going to, I think at least in the art world kind of be the, like, how do we, I don't say fight against the AI, but you know, what's our response to that? Cause I know, I mean, like I said, kind of when the camera came out, impressionism happened as well. And I think that was like the response is like, all right, you know, the camera's here and they kind of took painting into, I guess, painting direction. Yeah. What's AI going to do now too? Oh my gosh. This is such a good topic. I love uh, AI. I, I don't think it's out to get us. I feel like, and I, that's so controversial. Like that's probably the worst thing I could say on this podcast. Cause a lot of people hate it, but here's the thing I, with what Adobe has done with AI, uh-huh. I think Adobe is, and Adobe, I love Adobe. I'm such an Adobe girl. I know people hate Adobe for being a subscription service, but personally, I love it because I always get the newest version of everything. And it's just, I think it's great. But I think what Adobe specifically is doing is like they're paving the way for how AI should be utilized as a tool to help artists in a way that isn't stealing from other artists. Yeah, They only use like their, you know, the works that they own that are, like creative commons like they're allowed to use it it's not just like anything on the internet like i know um i think dolly and midjourney are kind of like that where they just steal from like anything that it can find adobe i feel like i think it's called firefly and then they also have um the generative fill feature that they just added to photoshop and then they made one for illustrator that i applied to have access to but i didn't if i got approved i didn't hear back from them for it but they have all of these new features where they are implementing AI into Photoshop and Illustrator and like, you know, their programs. And it's just like, it's so clearly a tool to just make things a bit more efficient. Like one of the features for Adobe Illustrator, which as a design program is like, it can come up with like color palettes and stuff for you. And I'm like, I need that because I am not the best at at picking color palettes because I tend to gravitate towards really bright and like violently, violently bright colors. And it's just like, it's too much because that's what I like, but that's not what like most people like. So I, I just really like what Adobe has done with AI. And I think that they are paving the way and heading in a direction that we can still use it as like a tool. And it's still like, it can be something really positive for artists. Um, So I just really, I wanted to like commend them because I really like, I I love Adobe, but I love what they've done with, with AI art. Yeah. I've seen the autofill and it it is so fantastic too. And especially because like it kind of, it can come up with different varieties. If you're like, Oh, like, I don't like this and you kind of like reset it and it comes up with something completely different and you're like, wow, like, and it's, it's pretty seamless. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree. I'm not like anti AI. I think it's the fun kind of new challenge. Like, you know, what are we going to do? I think something fun is just like, if you try to like break the AI and like, you know, I, I know AI has a hard time with like people drinking drinks. I don't know if you've seen pictures of like that. And they also yeah. like, like their handshakes are weird because they can't get like AI, just like humans has a hard time drawing hands. And so oh my gosh, yeah, that's... it's funny to like see how it's broken. And I think I think that's kind of the next step is just like, okay, cool. Like if you embrace AI as a tool, like you like, you know, you're fine. But like, if you're just trying to like, oh, like I'm just trying to make a realistic thing, like AI can come up with that, like, just like that. So 
I think that's that's probably going to be like the next evolution in like art making. It's just like, okay, here's a new technology. How do we like how do we break it or use it or incorporate it, whatever verb you want into your own art? I think that's that's the way to go. And but yeah, it does suck that people are stealing. I think I don't think our lawmakers to get a slightly political, I don't think our lawmakers quite understand what AI even is to like make good laws that will like protect artists and their, you know, their look like it, it does suck because you can like, I don't know. I, I think Drake, somebody made a Drake song out of like, out I of AI that. and like, and it wasn't Drake obviously, but like, you're like, you listen you're like, Oh, that's a new Drake single. And people are like, Nope, just kidding. It's an AI thing. You're like, Oh man, like that's, that's really good. <laughs> it was good. I, I heard that. And it's it's crazy. It's it's scary a little bit how te good technology is getting because, oh, like, oh, as someone who puts themselves out there, I, I don't know how you feel about, okay, this is like a whole conspiracy, but you've heard of like, uh, like deep fakes of like mm -hmm. just AI of like yeah. somebody saying or doing something and it's not even them. And it's like the voice is fake and like they the face is like everything's fake. That makes me so nervous. Like as someone who I put I feel like I put my like I'm not even a famous person, but I put myself out there a lot. And the fact that it's so easy for anybody pretty much in the world to just like steal your voice. Like I have 80 hours of my voice on this podcast, like pro actually probably a little bit more than that, but I have upwards of 80 hours of my voice just on this podcast that anyone can just go and download and probably make a copy of my voice and make it sound like I say pretty much anything. And it's, it's crazy because it's like, it's, it's just scary. It's so scary. Cause like cancel culture is like rampant, especially yeah. lately with like how, how things are. And it's just like, man, that there there's obviously there's problems with everything. And I, I want to be so supportive of technology advancing and things like that. I think it's important to support that because honestly, like, and this is just how I feel about it, but like, if you don't jump on the wagon, it's just going to leave you behind. And like, you yeah. can't, you know, like if you don't learn like new technology and you're just going to be behind because it's not going anywhere. You can't fight it. It's like yeah. when, when in the nineties, when like people were starting to like the very early nineties, when people were starting to like get computers in their ho houses and have internet in their homes and people were freaking out about it. And they were like, I don't want the internet in my house. Like what the hell? Yeah. Now we all have it like in our pockets, <laughs> like at our disposal anywhere we go everywhere we smart speakers just listening to us i don't want to say the names because I <laughs> somewhere. yeah yeah no like and people well i don't have any of those but i i know there are tons of people who just willingly have those in their house and they just use them all the time and it's like I, it's cool but it's also like it is like i do get like a little bit paranoid about it but it's also if you don't like you don't really have to support it, but I think people should at least be open to like learning about it and and like Adobe did, taking it and kind of like making it into a tool and making something better out of it. Because while there are aspects of like all this new technology that's coming out, it is a little bit scary. But we are coming up. Actually, we're we're at over an hour, so I I did want to give you some time to promote your stuff and tell people how they can find you, where they can find you, how they can support you. 
literally anything that you want to promote, go ahead. The floor is yours. <laughs> so I think Instagram is probably the one I'm most active on. I'm trying to do, like I said, the TikTok thing, and I have some good ideas. It's just actually posting. But um, all of my social media handles are at Nick or at Art of Nick Dahlstrom. Um, so that's definitely where you can find me. Um, and my website is artofnickdahlstrom.com. That, that's definitely the better place to like see my art as I'm kind of going through my Instagram. I'm realizing like I have a lot more behind the scenes stuff there. So yeah, art of Nick Dahlstrom is, uh, where you can find me. Your website? My website. Yeah. Artofnickdahlstrom.com. I've very consistent on the branding, trying to like my, my social media handle and the website is all of art of Nick Dahlstrom. What do you have on the website? Are you selling paintings through the website or is it just kind of like an info, like an information? Yeah, I sell the, you can buy the paintings through the website. I also sell prints on, on my website as well. I tried doing it on Etsy and like nobody was buying it there. So I figured at least like get some traffic on my website and just drive people there. Um, I also, that's where I sell the tickets for my figure drawing thing. If you're, if you're in the Durham area, Durham, North Carolina, um, I host a weekly figure drawing thing. So all, all hands on deck. Like it's, that's been one of the best things I've ever done is just have that because it's all skill sets. It's definitely not like hoity toity. Like there's so many different people and skill sets that come, but it's, we're, we're a very chatty group, which is kind of fun. So, um, Yeah. That does sound fun. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add before I wrap up the episode? I think that's it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for coming on. This was a great episode. I had a lot of fun talking to you. Uh, even though I didn't really ask any of the questions, I feel <laughs> like it came out like we still talked about all the topics without yeah. kind of asking the questions. So I think that's like the mark of a great episode. But mm-hmm. thank you for taking the time out of your day to talk to me. I really appreciate it. And if you are listening to this episode and you made it this far, uh, best way to support our wise podcast is to head over to our Instagram at our wise podcast. Uh, there's a link tree in the bio. There's a contribute to where you can donate to the podcast. If you love the episode um, and you want to donate some money, obviously don't feel obligated, but if you have some extra money, uh, feel free to donate it. Cause it helps me to continue making these episodes. Um, and as, as always, if you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, five stars really helps us out. So yeah, that's it for this episode. Um, thank you again, Nick, for coming on. And thank you for all of you for getting it this far. And I will see all of you again next Tuesday. <laughs> Bye, everyone. I feel like people always forget about the music at the end. <laughs> yeah.